right, uh, welcome to episode seven of Losing Track. Hi, podcast where we talk about um, movies that we movies. watch. Sometimes we talk about film, we talk about cinema, uh, we talk about flicks, features, and pictures. Yeah, and, and we talk too. about them in that order. No more, no less. So buggle up. Uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us for the uh, scariest month of the year. This so scary. A... So scary that my, my internet went out. <laughs> it's kind of freaky. I kind of feel like it's an omen of some sort. Yeah, that kid from the Omen, he just moved in next door. <laughs> Hard times, that guy. What is he, like 45 now? Oh, he's like six, he's like 60 now. Uh, <laughs> his kid's 45. His kid lives with him, I guess. Being the son of the Omen, that one didn't really hit. That has to exist, right? Is that out? That might not be yet, but copyright. If it's not copyright, copyright 2020, copyright me. Son of the Omen. Uh, no. Have they done an Omen movie where he's like grown up now? I have no clue. I've never I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It kind of looks like one of the Corys. Uh, <laughs> I know it's not, but it looks like uh, Corey Feldman kind of. What happened to the kid from the Omen? Oh, he lives next door to me. Um. <laughs> he's 65 now. Twice divorced. Uh, his 45-year-old son lives with him. Man, I don't want to read his true life because I just saw a real little glimpse of what actually is going on with him, and it's, it's worse than <laughs> yeah, the story we should maybe, we're making up. We should maybe back <laughs> off before we say Okay, so, so they, did make a, they did make Omen 2 called Damien Omen 2, and then Omen 3, The Final Conflict, then Omen 4, The Awakening, and there was a remake in 06. I remember when the remake came out because it came out on June 6, 2006, Yep, and I saw it on six, June sixth. Like six, six, six. It was so cool. I was in, uh, I was in middle school. I was in Catholic school in middle school, and kids were like, "My parents are gonna go take me to see it." And I was like, "No, they're not, Bobby. You're twelve years old. Our parents are letting us see that movie. <laughs> Shut up." I saw it. Yeah, Brandon, but you had cool parents, not me. Lee Schreiber's in not that movie. Bobby. Leave Schreiber? Yeah. Great name. Okay, actor. Great name. Um, Ray Donovan himself. John Voight? Is John Voight Ray Donovan? John Voight's in Ray Donovan, I know. He might play... I thought, I thought Leave Schreiber he was... Might play, you know what? Leave Schreiber... Ray Donovan. Ray Donovan. Leave Schreiber is Ray Donovan, but John Voight is the father of Ray Don, like Ray Donovan. I think he, he might be Ray Donovan Sr. Dad Donovan? Mickey Donovan. That's it. Son of Donovan. That's what they should have called Ray Donovan. I've said Ray Donovan enough in the last minute to uh, yep. suffice the quote. Now that we've gone that. down the stupidest rabbit hole, um, <laughs> let's crawl back out of it. Um, yes, it is the spookiest month of the year. Um, so we're going to we're going to watch some spooky movies and we're going to talk about some spooky stuff. Um, some really terrifying um, stuff, especially in the second half of the episode. Um, oh, really yeah. Just 
just frightening information. But I mean, um, the the most terrifying thing we're going to talk about is probably just this, uh, you know, this bit of news. Um, it's about this scary thing called capitalism, uh, Regal Cinemas. I just wanted to touch on this very briefly. If we're yes. going to talk about recent movie news, Regal Cinema just announced that they are uh, suspending all of their cinemas until further notice. They're closing down indefinitely due to COVID-19. Uh, I think it's 536 theaters in the U.S. affecting Some, something like 40,000 plus yeah, employees. Something like 45,000 employees, yeah. That's horrifying. So that's the first chain to go for now. Um, I know in Wisconsin, um, the governor just cut capacity for most places from 50%. Right, I know now it's down, going. I know it's going down. To, and I know. Oh god. Not yeah. Now down to twenty five percent, which is going to severely impact things. Kind of as soon as um, you know the local theater chains around here have been getting going again. Um, not that they should be getting going, but it is. It is rough to see you know just the on and off again with them. Um, I I hope that we can see movies again at some point. Um, but you know, yeah, now it's not the time. Um, but you know, um, the country's at where it's at. Um, Donald Trump has coronavirus. It's really funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, it really is. I, I mean, look- he's still just continuing to be a true shit, but it fucking sucks. He's learning nothing from it. Everything is shit. <laughs> But it's um, just, he just got fucking owned. Like, <laughs> yeah, he just looks like shit, talks like shit, he sounds like yeah. shit, um, he looks fucking stupid, uh, he's a dumbass idiot. Um, if you like Trump, why the fuck are you listening to this? Like, how the fuck would you even know who we are? Um, fuck you. Eat my ass. You know what? You know what? If you do like Trump and you are listening to this... <laughs> You know, find us on Twitter um, at Actual Dads. Message me. We'll get you on the show, and we'll talk about movies with you. Yeah, we'll talk <laughs> and, about uh, your favorite. We'll talk about your favorite movie, and we'll uh, try to. We'll just try to understand. But you know, yeah, we we would really love to do an episode on uh, <laughs> Boondock Saints too. So please <laughs> come on, All Saints Day. We want to talk about the Donald Trump cut of Bloodsport, where he just fast forwards through everything that's not action. So if you could come on and do that, please, 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 we're begging you. Oh, Uh, man, we should do that. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about the Trump cut. They should put that out on Blu-ray. They really should. Bloodsport Trump cut. Also, Dune and the Batman have been delayed for another like full... I think Dude has been delayed another like full like ten year. The Batman has been delayed like eighteen months. Wait, Uh, what? Okay, so I definitely heard about Dude. I didn't. I know Batman shut down because Robert Pattinson got COVID, and then, but now they're delaying their release as well by a year and a half. March twenty twenty two. Holy shit! I mean, I get it, man. Uh, Yeah, they should. Um, They should delay it. but uh, um, I, there are a lot of uh, a lot of people are are you know are have are 
having success catching up on like you know recent releases especially like 2020 releases um but But i'm not i'm just not i'm not there like i just i haven't seen anything recent um practically nothing the most recent thing i've watched oh go ahead i can't drop you know fucking 20 dollars every time i want to watch a new movie you know oh absolutely yeah i uh i'm definitely not buying movies on vod right now or paying the $25 to rent them. The only thing that I've made an exception for on that front is I did buy Bill and Ted 3, Bill and Ted Face the Music, only because it was in a combination pack on like iTunes, like like on my Apple TV movie. Uh, it was like 30 bucks and you got all three of them. And I was just like, well, you know, fuck it. <laughs> I might as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, the only, I did one. I rented The Invisible Man like in late March because it was like one of the first movies. Uh, if only you waited till that, now, uh, you could watch it on HBO for free, Brandon. You fool! If only I waited another. <laughs> if only waited five months. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. The only other recent movie I watched, you know, I watched that Scoob movie when because it, it came up on HBO like really quick. That wasn't good at all. You know, very, very sad to see what they tried to do with the Scooby-Doo franchise. They're trying to make a Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe. This is such old news. <laughs> but uh, if anyone if anyone watched that, you, you, it, hopefully you didn't enjoy it. <laughs> it. It wasn't a Scooby-Doo movie. It was like, it was like uh, let's take the gang and split them up immediately and spread them across four different plot lines it just it was not fun the, the most recent movie that i've seen is uh, i watched the adams family movie from last year because it's popping up on streaming right now there was an adams family movie last year yeah that's the most re- that's the movie that's the most recent movie i've watched in recent i guess in the last few weeks but yeah it came up 2019 remember dude the animated one oscar isaacs was in it Finn Wolfhard was in it. Uh, uh, Nick Kroll. Talking about? Do you really not know what I'm talking about? The Adams Family movie that came out last year. This is brand new to me. Okay, well, it was. Uh, it wasn't very good. You don't say. No. Oh, Charlize Theron also in it, and Chloe Grace Moretz and Snoop Dogg playing cousin Ed. I'm looking at a poster uh, with the animated Morticia, and it says hashtag Morticia straight out of coffin. I agree with that hashtag. I'll be honest. I kind of do like the character design of that, the actual, the titular family of Adams. Uh, it kind of is more old school. It's um, It's a lot more similar to the old, like, comic than the old live action movies um but i don't like they gave wednesday adams like in her like at the end of her pigtails they're like little nooses which is just um it's too much you don't need to do that her just, forehead is huge yeah more like a five head am i right never heard that before never like a more like a fright head, am I right? Because it's, <laughs> it's kind of spooky. I'll cut to that one. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, um, okay, let's uh, let's get into our movie. Um, so we watched uh, the 2011, 2012 um, horror film, British horror film. Oh, it's British now, ain't it, love? Kill list. It's about some bloke in it. There's a couple of blokes running around now doing crimes now, ain't it, love? <laughs> What's all this about then? Hi to our British listeners. And goodbye to our British listeners. <laughs> and goodbye to our American listeners. <laughs> Bye. Um, yeah, this is a psychological horror film uh, about a man and another man and a woman, as all as all stories are. Uh, <laughs> as all stories are. <laughs> yeah, you know, haven't did you know about the man, the man and the woman? Um, most famously uh, examined in the late 90s sitcom Two Guys, a Girl, and a Pizza Place. <laughs> Starring uh, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> but anyway, this is a movie about so two for, guys. So for, for <laughs> everyone listening, I think we are just like <laughs> not in the zone right now <laughs> to be doing this. But we're totally we're gonna, in the zone, man. We're going to push through it. Yeah, so this is a movie about a guy named, I believe, Jay, and he's he's a he's a hitman for for more you know the best way to describe him. And uh, it's been a few months since he's been working. He he was on a mission, and it didn't exactly go as planned. Uh, him and his partner haven't worked in about eight eight months, close to a year. And uh, his wife is really pressuring him to go out and make some more money. So he decides to take a job and uh, starts out not too crazy, nothing out of the ordinary, but it just twists and turns and starts to uh, spiral into something more sinister than he could have imagined. So, Yeah, and they're coming off of um, this mission in – uh, from how I understood it, is that they're coming directly off of their Kiev mission. Um, that that's what happened eight months ago. Um, of which we never really find out the nature of you know what that job was, but we understand it to be um, very. Um, we understand it to be whatever the events that transpired there were very disturbing. Um, for Jay and for his his partner, his friend slash you know work partner, Gal. Um, so they never really say what's going on there, but we understand that it's it's a big deal and it seems to be the source of Jay's um, kind of refusal to take on another job for the past eight months. And the way that this movie set up, um, I I was. I had known going into it that it wasn't kind of, you know, I guess your typical horror film um, in that it starts off just with a, a really harsh argument between Jay and his wife, Shell, and they're just going at it like crazy. Like it's, it's, it starts off as kind of this family drama, but it's, it's a family drama in a way that like 
uh, I don't know, almost like uh, it, oh, it's in a way that's that's terrifying in its own way, like a, a horror story in its own way, because it's like it's so realistic, it's so harsh, it's so loud. Um, these two are just like spitting fire back and forth at each other, um, and you see how that kind of leads into um kind of a, a a berating on both ends um and they have this i don't know maybe 12 year old son who's witnessing everything um he's hearing everything and and you know uh, when he does eventually talk to his dad he kind of sides with his mom and jay is just kind of this beaten down guy who's just been losing but he's not really doing anything about it you know he's he's just someone who is you know he's he's dealt with something obviously something horrible happened on this cab mission and it possibly directly happened to him and affected him in a way way more than it affected his partner gal um and as the movie continues especially you know not to jump ahead but especially at the end of the movie you you realize that um whatever happened in kiev definitely did have was focused more so on Jay and um, his actions there got him the job that they end up taking in this movie. And it got him to the point at the end of the film. It's the reason he is where he is in the final scene of the movie. Um, you, you talk about the beginning of the movie just being this brutal argument. And yeah, when I, when I first started this movie, I actually, I, I paused it for a second because I thought, am I watching the right movie? <laughs> I, I thought yeah. maybe there's another movie called Kill List. Um, but no, this is the one. And man, uh, how many fucking title cards can a movie have before it starts? I think it was like fucking End of Evangelion. <laughs> 20, 20 different companies and firms and, and uh, names that I have to look at before I actually get into it. <laughs> but uh yeah, and then you get them kind of separating the chapters along the way too. Right. Yeah. You see, you see these words popping up on screen um, for the for the later portions of the movie, uh, which you know everyone knows started with Kevin Smith's Clerks. Of course, the very first movie to do that to have title cards to intersperse yeah. title cards clerks. throughout the plot. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> Clerks, all right. <laughs> So Kill List, heavily inspired by Kevin Smith's Clerks. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, some no, would say it's but, a British adaptation. <laughs> it's funny because the guy, Jay, does kind of look like Dante uh, a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, okay, so yeah, anyway. Um, so just a general overview. As, as these guys as Jay is kind of realizing that he has to take on this, um, this contract that, that gal kind of lets him in on because he, he needs to provide for his family. He needs to, um, he needs to start working. Um, that his family is just plain out of money. Um, so, you know, they start taking on, uh, a, a contract to assassinate three people. Um, so they're hired by uh, discount Joe Biden to um, <laughs> to to start, you know, killing these people, um, which is a contract that they end up signing in blood to. Um, I don't want to go into like too much of the plot here because um, I think 
to really get the effect of this movie, you, you need to see it. I don't want to. I don't want to just explain it away. But so in in general, what I think this movie is trying to. Well, first, I want to know. I just want to know what, what were your general thoughts on the movie, Byron? Before I get into what I want to say here. I mean, you know, I like I, I texted you um, after I finished watching it. Um, it, it. It's a movie that you know, up, up until the final, I would say twenty-five minutes, I, I would have struggled to classify it as a horror movie. It kind of was more of a. It seemed more like a thriller, like a suspense thriller drama film um, up until obviously things go absolutely batshit at the end. Um, but it kind of, I, I didn't, I didn't mind it at all. It, it reminded me a lot of a Serbian film, which is kind of crazy to say that like, it doesn't really seem like a horror movie. And then, oh, it reminds you of this like fucking uh, nightmarish torture porn film from, from Serbia. Um, just, just certain uh, aspects of it, just mostly having to do with the twist ending, uh, watching what happens to this character, what he ends up having to do, slowly realizing what, uh, what he's done um, in that final scene, uh, really connected with me, reminded me of a, a really, really awful scene in Serbian film. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't I, think this... I have not seen that. I mean... I struggle to to find the necessity in watching it right yeah like what's the reason to watch like that's the thing like what's the reason to watch it other than to be like oh yeah that like was fucked like why do you need to watch this guy uh rape and kill and uh uh fight people uh you know children women other men people weaker than him people stronger than him there's there's really no point to watch that movie unless you're just wanting to see what the what the what the hype is all about, what the shock is. Yeah, I don't. I just it's nothing. It's just not something that not just never really interested me. Um, but anyway, um, sorry I interrupted you. Oh no, that's fine. I I didn't really have uh, much else to say in general before. It sounds like you might have something more insightful to say about the film. <laughs> well, I just I I'd heard so much about this. Um, over the past couple of years and um i just i didn't i didn't think i was going to find it as affecting as i actually did um uh and horror for me in general has always been um i mean i i love the horror genre but it's always hit or miss for me like i um and as and i think that's just kind of the nature of horror movies right it's just like they can either really hit for you or it's just kind of this thing that you watch and you maybe never want to see it again uh for whatever reason i guess um but um i mean i know there are people who just devote their lives to horror and i i i think that's such a cool thing to kind of just like be that honed in on a certain genre um but i struggle to to pick up on like on, on everything but the horror that i do get into i really love and i really appreciate and for this you know the horror doesn't begin d- directly um but you see the horror in like the really troubling family dynamic and you see it in his kind of psychotic mannerisms like the only ever the only time that you actually see jay like have excitement or take action is when um the cat brings a dead rabbit 
into the yard and he skins it and cooks it. Like that's the only time where he feels like he's doing something worthwhile. Um, and um, so we know that him and Gal were, um, were in the war. They were in Iraq. This is also kind of coming off of the heels of the 2008 financial crisis. They mentioned that a few times. Um, and in general, like, when you put those things together, like you put financial crisis and you put like post-traumatic stress disorder into one, you kind of see like this portrait of like just a forgotten person and a forgotten family, I guess. Um, You come back from doing all that and you have essentially nothing, you know, you have nothing to show for it. Like bringing him to the, to the point where he can, um, you know, during the dinner scene, uh, screaming at his wife about the fact that she served gravy in a Pyrex container, like a measurement cup, says it looks like a fucking science experiment. Um, <laughs> just it, 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 the, the things that he's dealt with just give him all this unneeded stress, and and uh, the only way he can seem to deal with it is fighting with his wife. Yeah. Can't have his jacuzzi. Yeah, <laughs> um, and his jacuzzi is just it, it just so frustrating to him. But it's also this source of happiness. Um, the source of happiness, or this like this thing that helps him run away from his problems, I guess. Um, and that's broken, and he can't fix it, and it just kind of you know forces him into this into this work. And so we continue to spiral. Um, but you know, with his but I mean, what we know about, you know, um, um, and this is a British film. And so I, I can only speak on this from an American perspective, but I, I would think that it probably carries over, uh, you know, into a British perspective. But uh, there are a lot of, you know, former military families that fall into like really intense cycles of domestic violence. They fall into intense cycles of, a financial crisis um you know uh at least in america like the government sets up like they they paint this image that you know being a military family yeah, <clears> is gonna life, set you it's, you're set for life you're set up financially and it's just you it's get just out and you can case it's you just get not out you can do whatever you want you know you have, a, you have a good paying job you'll you'll be able to go to school this is not true i like I worked, you, you too, you worked, re, you worked retail in college and mm-hmm. before that, um, just how many guys I worked with, you know, dudes in their late thirties, early forties, even older who were like, yeah, yeah, I was in, I was in Iraq and I came back and I need money. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, yeah. you know, I wasn't able to go to school. I couldn't get any help. I, I worked with a dude like that at the grocery store who, you know, working at the grocery store is the first job he'd had in like four years. You couldn't find work. Yeah, exactly. We, we put military veterans and especially from like post nine 11, we have put military uh, service people um, on such a high pedestal. And it's kind of this like very fake thing and i think that's what we're getting here is where 
we have these people in this movie who are under contract to be killed by Jay and Gal. And when they are the first two, at least, so we have, we start off with the priest. And right. when he, once he realizes what's happening, he thanks Jay. He's smiling. He's happy. Um, the The next person, after he's being violently, graphically tortured, um, want to touch yeah, on that, seems, that i want to touch on that too you know he's he starts telling once once gal walks away for a little bit he starts telling jay like like thank you for what you've done like i'm happy you know i get to experience this uh, i forget what he says exactly but yeah, he's he just basically so, says like does he know who you are i know who you are and i'm, I'm glad that you're here yeah and it, it's 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 setting up this really phony reverence that i think that society has for um for its 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 military members um its troops um it's something that's very performative it's like we will we will tell you thank you we will say that we appreciate you but once you we will not allow you to assimilate back into society right like Mm -hmm. we're going to force you into the dirtiest most violent lifestyles and occupations that we possibly can you know um of course that's not always the case but it happens so often um these people are are kind of i mean they're forgotten right um they're treated as disposable um and i think that that's what we see here is that jay is whatever he's haunted by in kiev right um and in iraq like he starts telling trying to tell his son a bedtime story about his time in iraq and even his son is like this story is boring i don't want to hear this <laughs> um and then he asked if it's real and he said no it used to be um, but he doesn't even get to tell the story like the people perform their appreciation but they don't actually understand like the things that these people have to do um i think that there's kind of a fine line um at least in this day of age day and age where you know the people are starting to lose like at least in america i see this where there is a lot of support for troops um on like both ends of the political spectrum but there's also like a certain like a certain subset of people who are just like at this point you know they they find it hard to find sympathy for soldiers you know um especially i would say especially now once it's like been so clear like what like our involvement in the middle east is right now um oh absolutely you know it's, (laughs) it's more clear than ever you know now than it was you know um 10 years ago yeah 10 years ago, years ago 15 years ago yeah i mean i mean 9-11 was such a such a good recruiting tool for people like it's kind of it, it, it's kind of easy to understand you know that that line of thinking you know yeah i'm sure that. you know i'm sure you know we're both in the age group we're maybe a little bit younger but like i know tons of dudes who are just like yeah nine like i want to go into the military because of 9 11 i'm just like uh, okay good luck like 
if if that's your if that's your takeaway from that from everything that's been going on because this is in like 2012 2013 when people are saying this like a few years after college is like they're, yeah i'm gonna go yeah. you know now i'm just like okay dude go ahead <laughs> yeah um but you know re- regardless of of how you end up feeling about it it's like these people really kind of sacrifice a big like chunk of their humanity um mm. and they they get nothing for it i also wanted to point out and i i had heard this somewhere before that um the the dynamics between uh jay and his wife shell and also between jay and his his friend gal are are like very um similar to like cassavetti's movie dynamics like the screaming between the shouting and the fighting between um between jay and shell like are reminiscent of a woman under the influence like the way that they are just in each other's face in one moment and totally in love you know cut to them being totally in love the next um and then also like um uh jay and gal just like palling around one second and the next second they're smashing you know coffee mugs over each other's heads and yeah breaking stuff in the house yeah. <laughs> each other to the ground punching each other in the gut you know um uh so i really liked i really liked how you're getting a very intense picture of um you know of this portrait of this guy as he's you know just continuing to spiral and kind of what i th- what I think that is happening as the movie progresses and he's starting to get more of these clues about what's going on is that he's, he's coming to terms with the things that he's done in his life. Um, Cause I don't think, I think by the end of the movie, I think we're clearly able to question whether any of the events that we just saw actually happened. Um, I think this is all just trying to wrap this up in an understanding for him, you know, to come to grips with what maybe he did in Kiev, uh, what maybe he did in Iraq, um, what maybe happened to him and his family after he came back from, you know, service or came back from a contract. Um, Because, you know towards the end of the movie um when they are when they are you know going to take out their last hit it is becomes clear that there's this whole cult surrounding this uh member of parliament um who they're doing you know sacrificial uh rituals um where they hang somebody and they just applaud um and jay just starts picking them off with an assault rifle from the woods um but you know, there's like 50 of them, and they start chasing them. And that scene where they, where they're in the tunnel, dude, it's that scary. one. Oh my god, it reminded me of uh, the descent. Have you ever seen the descent? I haven't seen the descent, but that's, I mean, that's what the, de- <laughs> that's the descent, right? Like the dark, not knowing what's in the darkness. Yeah, in the descent, yeah, it's like it's, they're trapped in like dark caves, and this one is just like it's like an underground tunnel, and they're they're right. trapped there. Yeah, man, um, that scene when they first see them coming and they see it on their head flash like that, fuck that. 
No, yeah. thank you. And the the creatures in this in the descent actually have a, a bit of a, a likeness to like those people. I mean, they're they're naked in the in the you know in the tunnels in in this movie. They're just naked people wearing masks, but like the sounds that they are making do not. It's not coincide. It's not human. It's not coinciding with the visual. Um, you can also get that in the descent. Like it's it's terrifying. Um, and actually, uh, the actress who plays Shell in Kill List is one of the girls in uh, the descent. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I when I was clicking through um, the actors on Letterboxd, I realized that. Um, so I haven't seen Descent in a couple years. Um, but that's a very underrated horror film from like 2005 that I feel like not a lot of people talk about. Um, you should definitely check that out if you, if you haven't seen it. I mean, I'm still watching, I'm still watching a horror movie every day. So it might have to go on the list. Yeah. On your kill list. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, but um, yeah, like I'm so glad that Gal didn't, end up being a bad guy like i th- i thought that was going to happen i thought he was just gonna like you know he oh he's part of this whole thing yeah he's um, in the call but no but no he kind of like he's taken out yeah him, he's taken out eventually jay asked that you know kind of has to shoot him in the head to kind of spare his life because he's been like disemboweled by those people yeah um, you can see his guts hanging out for a brief second there and yeah saying he's sorry and Sad shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's really sad. Uh, so And like reminiscent, I mean, really, I guess, reminiscent of of what could have happened in Kiev or what happened at war, right? Like what happened when they were in the war? Um, what actually happened during their time? You know, I'm sure you have to, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have to be put in those situations and, and you do have to say goodbye to someone like that. That is, that is what completely... Uh, it's a complete possibility when you're put in a situation like that. And um, the the cult, I mean, I don't know. If, I guess, you know, obviously we say this every time, obviously we're spoiling this bad boy. Um, <laughs> what the, at the end of the movie, you see some of the cult members, you know, one of them is the guy that hired them for this job. Uh, one of them is a doctor who actually Jay visited before with his hand, with his infected wound on his hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it kind of makes you think like, you know, he was handpicked for this. Jay, because of what happened in Kiev, Jay was picked for this job because they knew that he would be able to um, do what they wanted to do. He essentially, like you know, become a, a killing machine is what it seems like. It seems like they wanted someone who was angry, who who kind of just blacks out and goes into, you know, a, a rage when he gets angry. Which you see with the torture scene. You see it when he goes to the house, the address um, that the guy who he tortured. You know, he told him, "Oh, my boss is at this address." Walk in, and this guy's he'd been smacking this guy's head against a concrete wall for. 20 minutes you know you can't even make out what this person looked like um and it just uh i think i think really the idea here is you know they were jay specifically is given this job his hand is cut um 
we haven't really touched on her bit, but Fiona, um, Gal's uh, girlfriend, a partner, a yep. woman he met, um, she's also in this cult. She carved a marking into the back of Jay's mirror. Um, you see her at the end of the film too. Uh, they were hand selected for this. He he was handpicked specifically for this, and uh, something interesting to think like these people are thanking him. These people know so much about him. It, it makes me wonder if um, these are members of the cult as well, and they knew. Yeah. Um, outside of the, the ideas that I was talking about, just as them kind of like uh, generally, any time that you have like a cult in a movie, like that cult idea is almost always used as like a, a cultural reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, but I I was kind of curious and as to how exactly those um the specific people kind of understood that that relationship yeah um because the cult seems uh, yeah it seems like it's like death is maybe a release for them or something that they're um looking for uh you open to open to just being (laughs) i don't i guess i don't really understand how because why then why do they fight back but but still Um, you know and then another thing I I did mention was there's a scene where before they kill the second person who's called the librarian they break into a warehouse he'd been in earlier in the day where they'd been watching him from excuse me (laughs) (laughs) and uh, Gal and Jay walk into this building and Gal walks over to a TV and turns it on and you just hear really just you know the sound of someone being tortured and Jay goes, "What is that?" And Kyle says, "You don't, you don't want to see this. This isn't. It's preserved. I assumed it to be children, right? Yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I, because then Jay goes and watches it and just starts sobbing. Um, I believe that it was people being murdered. You know, kids being either sexually abused and murdered, or women being sexually abused and murdered. Um." But another thing I thought was, I don't, you know, if these people have all this information, could it be footage of something similar to what actually happened in Kiev? Is that why, is that why Jay has this reaction and needs to destroy the people that have it and the people that, uh, the people that are ostensibly using it and showing it to others? Using it against him or possibly responsible for it. Right. Um, maybe. Um, yeah, it's, um, the the Kiev stuff is is um, part of the big mystery that's that's still left there, but I think it's kind of key to understanding how they might how this cult kind of functions. Um, and I did notice. Um, I mean, of course, like you can draw uh, similarities from most cult movies, but like it obviously has like uh, similarities to The Wicker Man, but. I was surprised at like how similar this cult looked to the um, to the cult in Midsummer, um, the new the new latest Ari Aster movie, like um, just kind of like the people looked similar. They were all just kind of like very pasty <laughs> Northern European people. Hey man, that's just European people. <laughs> Um, but even like the the girl that they that they sacrifice in the woods, yeah, like, she's I agree wearing with that. this kind of giant like gown thing that 
that I couldn't really tell if they were flowers, but they all they almost like. Yeah, at first I thought oh, it's just like some sort of fabric dress, but then looking, it looked like it was maybe not paper mache, but some sort of crinkled fabric, like some sort of like wavy fabric. Yeah. I was like, oh, is that like made of like paper? Like, is that like uh, like writings? Like a dress made of some sort of like writings or texts and and, and given to her. Um, but yeah, that that whole scene that that woman specifically, because I think she might be wearing a crown or something as well. Yeah, that was that that had some similarities to Midsummer. Um, I wonder, I wonder if Ari Aster took influence from that. I mean, you know, there's tons of shit on cults. I'm sure that he. Oh yeah, both from many places. Probably not specifically this one movie, but yeah, definitely. But it's a. Uh, it is an interesting tie. As I see it. Yeah, it is. It is an interesting tie in that there's visual similarities and also kind of just the idea of using this kind of cult experience to wrap around like trauma and grief. Um, oh yeah. Um, just that. That's just that whole aspect of it. Um, there's a there's a few other things I wanted to touch on. Um, uh, there's this uh, in the beginning before you know that before Jay kind of uh, accepts the contract. There's this also this discussion with Fiona, who ends up being you know a part of the cult, but is Gal's girlfriend, and they're all having dinner, and they kind of um, oh she she says that she works in HR. That she essentially yeah. sacks people, <laughs> and he has he has like the biggest problem with her once <laughs> or with that idea. Um, you know, he's just kind of being, he's just kind of saying, like, you know, you just you're the one who goes in there and like cleans up the mess, you know, you just fire people and move on. And of course, she says, you know, there's a there's a different, a bigger picture in the business world. Um, which you know then kind of translates to you know the cult, but also translates to the the this idea that you know um, if there's a you know the human resources people are always there to kind of fix a management problem, and it's kind of clear that that um, you know Jay is a has a problem <laughs> you know being managed or that he's kind of he's felt these he's felt these things before once he's tried to go straight uh i feel like not a i feel like not enough movies uh really attack human resources people um yeah man they should i think what they're saying is that uh, these human resource people are are cult themselves i mean she's the she's more of a recruiter am i right look at what happens at the end right am i yeah i mean she's hr for the cult hr for cult co (laughs) maybe I mean, yeah, she essentially is. That's nuts. Um, the dialogue is also so. You, I feel like it's 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 so tight in this movie, but it's also it's, it's just so unique to to them. It just feels. I, I don't know the word I, I want to use, but the dialogue is just really great between, especially just between uh, Jay and Gal. Like, um, just their their whole dynamic is is wonderful and I, yeah, I noticed i noticed in the credits it's credited to the screenwriter and then it also like for like um written by it says like you know like two or three people's names and then underneath 
and the cast like or like and the actors yeah it did so, seem like a lot of it was was ad-libbed yeah because it, it was so it was so loose and conversational um that you know it, it, it definitely felt that way it felt like it might have been improvised in some spots and kind of a lot of spots a lot um, of yes anding going on out there am I right? Yes, and um, <laughs> oh. yeah, dude, the rule of three. So, I do think they got three targets. Wow, wow, um, it's actually a comedy movie, it sounds like. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, I, I don't really have too much else to say, but just in general, like this movie is, I didn't expect it to be, I, I think I've said this before, I didn't expect it to be as impactful as I found it. Um, it just it it's like it is painting a portrait and showing all of these ideas it's missing it, it feels like it's missing steps maybe missing chapters along the way um but trying to put it together um is so satisfying like i'm getting a, i'm getting a lot out of just trying to wrap my head around this movie's ideas um and i haven't seen a lot of ben wheatley movies i don't think i've seen any other ben wheatley movies um so it's it's kind of it's kind of bizarre to me to know that like the guy who made this movie is making that really weird uh rebecca remake with army hammer (laughs) oh you know what i did i went on his letterbox and i saw that and i was like this is this is that this is that person yeah yeah no it's weird but um definitely just really like this movie um probably going to end up being up there with one of my favorite horror movies um i watched it twice within 24 hours and i i almost never do that oh wow yeah you're a big movie you're you're a big old film head over listen there. i'm you're, like a, you're a wheatley you're a wheatley uh weirdo Listen, I'm a big film guy, um, obviously, so sometimes I do that. You're really... Uh, I'm really into films. You're really weeping. You're, you're, uh, you're reaping the Wheatley. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. Come on, man. Good. Come on, give... Next up is Free Fire, his, uh, the a movie he made with Brie Larson, right? And Army Hammer's in that one, too. Yeah, I've, I've heard... I've heard it's a fun movie. I think a little, Martin Scorsese. A comedy. I think Martin Scorsese uh, produced that. Oh, Scorsese, huh? The little guy? Yeah, the, the little guy. The little tiny guy? Yeah, Martin Scorsese. He's Italian, right? That guy's Italian, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, Scorsese, uh, that's Italian, right? He's. I wonder if he's ever made anything about that. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, maybe we should move on to uh, the second bit that we watched. Byron, what do you think? Yeah, I think it is time for the Halloween fun to begin. Um, you stuck around for the scary, spooky, psychological horror. Now it's time for the real the real Halloween treat. It's Garfield's Halloween. <laughs> it's Garfield's Halloween adventure. Garfield's Halloween adventure. Everyone's favorite Garfield Halloween special because it's the only Halloween Garfield 
special. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, um, I'm not surprised because it came out in the 80s, I think 1985 perhaps, um, aired on CBS on Halloween or the day before Halloween. And then kind of kind of ran in rotation with Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, um, stuff like that, and fell out of fell out, not really fell out of favor, but kind of just fell off the air. And I think probably now the only way to watch it is either looking it up on YouTube, or I, I would guess there's some sort of Garfield TV special box that it's in, um, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But like. This is the thing, like Halloween specials, you know, there's always a ton, like Christmas specials, you get a billion of them. There's so many things that play on TV around Christmas. There's, you know, and we'll probably discuss holiday stuff like that in December, maybe even end of November. We'll probably talk about Thanksgiving then, realistically. But um, Garfield's uh, Christmas. We can talk about, yeah, (laughs) yeah, Garfield's Thanksgiving adventure, Garfield's uh, Christmas Adventure. This was actually uh, originally released under the title of Garfield's like Garfield in Disguise. I found out, so not initially called Garfield's Halloween Adventure. Released as something called Garfield in Disguise, probably because they figured uh, we could just run this on like Saturday mornings with the Garfield cartoon if we just call it this rather than Halloween. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, this is the this is the first Halloween special that we'll be talking about, you know, we did, we, we have a few in mind. There's another one that just popped in my head. We'll be discussing this month, but um, basically, you know, everyone here probably knows Garfield. He's a little orange kid. Uh, he likes lasagna. He ha- fucking hates Mondays. Um, his owner is John Arbuckle who drinks semen. <laughs> Big dumb piece of shit. Yeah. Just a fucking moron, stupid asshole in Indiana. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so Garfield wakes up and realizes it's Halloween, and it's it's a chance for him to get some candy. And boy, oh boy, does he just get into some little hijinks! Um, and it only takes about fifteen minutes of the twenty-four minute runtime <laughs> for him to get to it, because uh, you got songs, you got dances. You, got- you have like six musical numbers in this twenty-four minute Halloween special. <laughs> Yeah, and they're, I mean, they're not like that. They're not like long, really, but um, some of them, some of them are. that many different songs. Now, here's, uh, here's, okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, there's this, the one song that I, that I like, um, I believe it was called Scaredy Cat, the one where he's like, uh, if you aren't singing a song, saying you are, uh, I don't fucking remember. I don't know. <laughs> Garfield, Garfield is singing a song about being a scaredy cat. And I wrote in my notes this. I wrote, Garfield kind of sounds like Tom Waits right now. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, the scaredy cat song like, does sound like... Because it's like a jazzy, like definitely like a rip-off rip of like early 80s, early to mid-80s it feels Tom like Waits. It feels like Garfield's whistling past the graveyard. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it sounds like Garfield listened to... Uh, he, he listened to Rain Dogs and he listened to Swordfish Trombones and he was like, I could do something like this. Um, <laughs> but, and then, you know, if Garfield has to sit there and say so aggressively that he's not a scaredy cat, mm, sorry, Garfield, you're probably a scaredy cat. A little bit performative there, Garfield. It's right in the name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Cat. 
here's here's my problem for everything that we know about Garfield, right? Is that he's lazy and he loves food too. Those he loves he loves like big meals, like big fulfilling, satisfying meals. And this guy has for whatever reason makes it a point to say that he doesn't like Christmas and he doesn't like Thanksgiving. Halloween is his favorite holiday because he gets candy. Candy. That's like, that's it. Like he just gets candy. And now not only does he just get candy, he has to work for the candy. He has to go out. He has to, he has to get dressed up. He has to go out. He has to interact with people. He has to walk. He has to go to several different houses just to get candy. He has to eventually row a boat. It makes no sense. What is this? This What is his problem? Don't even get me started on John Arbuckle. Because John Arbuckle, this is a man who will make his cat lasagna and breakfast. He says, Garfield, do you want some breakfast first? Tea, milk, bacon, uh, fucking croissant, a donut. Sweet roll. Yeah, sweet roll. Coffee. Garfield. Why the fuck are you going outside? John Arbuckle is waiting on you. Hand and foot, he's feeding you human food all the time, it seems like. And you steal his lasagna off of his plate. Two different instances. He's going to get you your own plate. Why do you have to be like that? Um, my favorite thing. He keeps most of, Odie's, most of Odie's candy anyway, doesn't he? Yeah, he says, oh, Odie, you'll get one piece of your own candy. <laughs> he could have just sent Odie out and stayed at home. He could have told John Arbuckle, hey, John, will you go to the grocery store and buy some candy? And guess what? He probably would have went and done it. Um, there's something Garfield says here, though, that's always stuck in my mind. I think of it all the time, especially this time of the year. It's when Garfield says candy at the beginning of the special. Like re- re- repetitively, candy, 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 candy. I want candy, 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 candy. It's just I love the masterful voice work by Lorenzo Music. Yeah. Also, uh, Garfield says his middle name is uh, he says Gar Halloween Field. He didn't need to do that. You know, we get we understand that this is my middle wait, name. So wait, so so Garfield's first name is Gar. Gar, and his last name is Field. That's the most <laughs> incredible part of it. But he says Gar Halloween Field. Um, it. Another thing I don't understand here: Garfield gets lasagna all the time. We're tearing this shit apart, baby. Uh, liberals destroy conservative Garfield Halloween. Garfield comes oh, up to John Arbuckle who's carving a pumpkin and says, hmm, looks like you got some lasagna there about the pumpkin guts. How the fuck (laughs) does Garfield, a a cat that has, as far as I know, only eaten human food and his favorite food is lasagna, think that a plate of pumpkin guts and pumpkin seeds is lasagna. Uh, I, how stupid can he be? I also have a quote here. Uh, he says, there's a pumpkin on your head to John Arbuckle. Like, <laughs> no shit. Like, you did that. Um, God, man. Uh, but basically what happened, 
you know, if I have to explain anything else here, Garfield dresses up as a pirate. He goes trick-or-treating and he gets fucking greedy like the little green goblin he is. Green goblin. Little green. Orange goblin. Oh, orange goblin. He's, he's, I'm so pissed I can't get him mixed up with the Spider-Man universe. <laughs> um, he gets too greedy. Gar Spider-Man field. Yeah, spider field. <laughs> he gets too greedy and he goes across, he gets in this friggin' boat and tells Odie to paddle him over across the lake to get more candy. Even though he's already had a full bag, how much more is he going to get? So before we get into what happens once he crosses the lake, mm-hmm. this move, this, 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 <laughs> this 24 minute special has, feels like it has like 10 different acts. So much is happening. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm very critical of it right now, but I think it's great. I, I really do. Like there's, like I said, there's not many, there's especially not many good ones. But this is this is one of my favorites with uh, with probably the Charlie Brown one. It's it's this was my first time watching it. It's very good. What I do actually did actually appreciate maybe maybe appreciate is not the right word. Maybe it's just maybe it's just a like a nostalgia nostalgia for it. But just that that animation style that yeah. the old Gar- the Garfield cartoons are in animated um, in India. I miss that. I'm just tied. I hate that everything looks like rick and morty and adventure time now like everything looks exactly the same yeah uh, it's it's you have like you have like two you have like di- like a few different groups of like animated creators and all their shows look exactly the same and it's it's really frustrating yeah, there's this thing where uh, american especially american adult animation at this point just i guess it has to be the fucking like ugliest thing like Big Mouth looks like shit. Um, every other animated show, like F is for Family, that show doesn't look too bad, but it doesn't look great. <sighs> Rick and Morty, I mean, I, I really, you know, I loved Rick and Morty when it first started. I've fallen off with the bandwagon a bit just because of how awful things are. You know, you know how awful Rick and Morty fans are. Goodbye, Rick and Morty fans. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> it just, it just, there's, I, I wish that things could look just clean and nice and uh, crisp and good again. Just doesn't have to be grotesque and like unreal. Like, the the um, animation doesn't have to be like hyper realistic. Like it can yeah, just be. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You like don't you don't know. have to look exactly like people, but you don't have to draw everyone with like incredibly huge mouths or, or giant teeth or like little weird eyes like you know i'm not an artist but I, i'm allowed to criticize here <laughs> um just, characters look more like john arbuckle yeah make everything look like garfield make everything look like anime <laughs> garfield is anime garfield um, is anime so there's here's one thing I noticed at the very beginning when Garfield turns on the TV and he's here's Binky the clown talking about Halloween. He says he says he's talking to kids and he says you don't want to be lazy kids or you're going to you're going to grow up to be worthless. <laughs> hey, you got to have some jokes in there for the parents. Binky the clown's scary. 
another good uh, bit was uh, Odie dressing up as a pirate but having four peg legs. And he says, you got a few too many peg legs there. <laughs> and he kicks them all off. It's like only Garfield's allowed to have a peg leg. And this is me off. Another thing here, why does John Arbuckle have an attic full of Halloween costumes when he lives alone with a dog and a cat? And they are animal-sized Halloween costumes. Yeah, they fit them perfectly. Uh, I like when Garfield does stand-up. He says Odie would have to stand on a chair to raise his IQ. Every time he tells a joke, he like backs up and there's like music. It's funny. (laughs) That's good shit. That's good. Okay, so let's let's get into Garfield going on the lake, cross getting on a boat to cross the lake to the haunted house on the island in the middle of the lake. And of, sh- of course, there's some uh, comedy of error that happens out there. He tells Odie to uh, drop the oars, and Odie literally knocks the oars out of the boat. So. <laughs> there goes that they're just you know i think garfield puts it where we're, we're, we're uh he says something along the lines of like our our maybe he's talking like a pirate it's like our matey we're we're being guided by the sea now and they end up at this uh spooky scary house with an old man inside and the old man starts to tell them the story of some sailors or pirates that had a, a blood oath to you know protect their treasure something like that and in, uh in, in indiana in indiana yep on this lake. lake and here's here's what i don't what i didn't get is that this old man seems to understand garfield see that's the thing I, <laughs> like humans can understand garfield that's just part of the garfield thing what well, john I doesn't more... understand garfield hmm. he can't hear his he can't hear his monologue well, I guess this old man can. I guess this old man is an exception in the Garfield universe, along with the fact that in the Garfield universe, ghosts actually exist and are real and are coming for you. Um, <laughs> that old this old man can understand Garfield and tells him that he's the <laughs> cabin boy from the pirates and tonight they're coming back to get him. Um, and obviously what happens here is Garfield is chased down by these skeleton ghouls, these little gob, these little ghosts. They, they look, this, this animation of these ghosts, this is cool. They're like it, real. It's, it actually looks really good. I like it a lot. I think it's fun. I like the way it looks. And uh, they end up, you know, they, they, they do get away. Uh, from the ghost Garfield and Odie do get away from the ghost, but it turns out that this uh, someone, probably the old guy, stole their boat. Um, and and they, you know they're, they're sad, but they they don't get eaten or anything like that. Um, and they do find their candy in the end. So really, I don't know. Does Garfield really learn a lesson here? Uh, no, he keeps Odie's candy. <laughs> he covers himself up with the bags of candy, and he goes to bed. Well, and then the old, I guess his lesson is that he shouldn't watch TV in the morning because the old man is on TV running a pirate television special. So I guess lesson here, the the lesson that Garfield learns is that he should have listened to what you and I just said and just told John Arbuckle to get him a bag of candy from the grocery store. 
would have it would have saved Garfield a lot of trouble, and it would have made a lot more sense to to Garfield's character. He does a he does a whole lot of work in this episode. Yeah, for, for a very work. unsatisfying meal. Now, he doesn't get he doesn't get lunch. He doesn't get dinner. He's saving room for candy, which I noticed. Which he doesn't trick- eat. No, he just goes to sleep. Mm-mm, when they're trick or treating, at one point during the trick or treat <laughs> during the trick or treating montage, uh, there people are throwing candy at him and Odie. First of all, it's <laughs> odd. Not only can the old man understand, maybe Halloween runs on different rules, but the people at the houses can understand Garfield when he's when he's asking for candy because the people give him one piece <laughs> and he threatens them with his wooden sword <laughs> and they throw him about 10 more pieces of candy but in that montage he's catching some of the candy in his mouth eating the wrapper like a like an animal which he is so i guess oh, there one more thing about when he's trick or treating and odie starts getting scared of all the kids in costumes and garfield says look they're kids just like us <laughs> <laughs> they're kids yeah it's it's, it's it's fun when he picks up the uh the sheet and it's an actual ghost that's yeah, fun that was or when good. he pulls the mask off the person and the person i think that's when the scary cat thing scary cat song yes plays. and the person's face underneath the mask is the same exact face as the mask that's fun too <laughs> I, you know it would have been a great crossover here jim carries the mask <laughs> 10 years before it came out would have been great so there you have it our analysis on garfield's halloween adventure Um, i'd say if you want to watch a little orange cat eat lasagna eat pumpkin guts and get some candy it's worth watching it's on youtube it's 24 minutes of your time we're all working from home you're lying if you don't have time to just watch this during work (laughs) just give it a shot uh, so we are now at zero listeners. Uh, yeah. Now that I've recommended Garfield cartoons yeah. on YouTube. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I think that we've talked about Garfield Halloween adventure for about at least 25 minutes. It's for, <laughs> wow. We've, we've, we've done more analysis on Garfield's Halloween adventure than the in the length of Hell- Garfield's Halloween Adventure, truly. Yeah. I think truly we might have done. Podcast. I think we might have done more analysis on on Garfield than we did on Kill List. Um, and, hey, you talk we were about- stay, I mean, we were struggling there for a little bit, but I think we. I think we hit Garfield pretty well. I'd never hit Garfield. Yeah, me neither. I would only pet him. I don't know. I might get sick of his shit. Yeah, I might have to put him up for adoption. Does that ever happen? Does John Harbuckle ever get sick of his shit and just give him away? <laughs> uh, I, I, that seems like a likely scenario. If not, I think it's time for the gritty reboot of Garfield. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week with, uh, well, we weren't, we, two weeks ago we said we'd be back next week and we weren't back next week. But Yeah, we kind, we'll, of, we kind of fucked up. <laughs> I think we'll actually be back next week, so. Um, until then, stay smoothly.